The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Fika Nation, welcome to episode 87 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, back with you for another week. And we got another Benfica match to break down for you here tonight. It's episode 87. Like I said, it is Benfica 2, Morirens 0. But before we get to the match, we have to get to the overlying uh, story. And it is a little bit of a damper. It does put a damper on this victory. It puts a damper on this uh, result, on this performance. And I'll get into the performance later. But it does put a damper on it. It is the fact that it has been confirmed and reported to the CVMN uh, that Benfica have, in fact, sold Ruben Dias to a Manchester City for 68 million euros. That is quite a large sum of money, of course. And as you know, Benfica not in the Champions League. So there's a lot of income that was lost with that. I understand a lot of Benficians are very upset about this. A lot of Benficians are, are heartbroken to see a guy that many of you wanted to see here for many, many years ago. I've read opinions and feelings of so many different Facebook supporters, well-known and lesser-known alike, and there is a very uniform sentiment that uh, this was a this is a great loss for Facebook, and it is. Um, Ruben Dias is a fantastic, fantastic player, but even more than that, he is. The epitome of what you want a Befica player to be. He carries all the values and all of the the excellence. And he carries all of the just quality of Befica with him. He is such a symbol and such an ambassador for all that is good with Befica. Yes, he's had his share of bad matches. He's, he's still very young for a central defender. 
But for the better part of the past three seasons, he has been a consistent, consistent part of our defense. And a big, he was a big, big part in our winning the 2018-2019 Liga Nash title. Um, he's come up through the ranks 12 years at the club since he was just a kid. And he leaves us tonight for Manchester City of the Premier League, the bright lights of the Premier League. And we're getting a player in return. I'll get to that in a minute. But if you are listening to the podcast form of this episode, you're now going to hear some words from George Jesus from the manager, JJ. This is from the post-match press conference. Okay. If you're watching on YouTube, first of all, welcome. And secondly, right there. Go ahead and hit subscribe to Mr. Befica so you can be alerted when Mr. Befica videos are available. Again, that is part of the season this year. That is an, a change, an update, an upgrade to season three of Mr. Befica is the video element. And with that, um, a, a lot of these episodes are going to be put on video. So do subscribe. But um, if you're watching on video, of course, I can't play the audio on YouTube as as you guys know, the the regulations um, and the rules with with YouTube do not allow for that. So just sit tight on YouTube for a few moments while everyone on the podcast listens to George Zuzuj talking about Ruben Diaz. Eu gostava de, de, de ter as certezas absolutas, mas tenho quase a certeza que foi a última, o último jogo que ele fez, não é? pelas informações que eu tenho. Uh, mas isto no futebol, sei lá, às vezes tudo muda no último segundo, mas penso que não, é, não vai acontecer. Uh, é um jogador que nós temos pena de ver partir, é um produto seixal, é um capitão, é um jogador de seleção. Uh, mas eu também tenho alguma culpa dele ter sido hoje isto também tem a ver uh, com a nossa eliminação da Champions e portanto há coisas que têm que se equilibrar e, e, e muito bem a direção do Benfica achou e também é, o, é um dos jogadores ou se calhar o único jogador que tem um mercado alto porque ele vai seguramente já é um, um belíssimo jogador e vai ser um grande jogador so, Mr. George Jesus there, JJ, this is a translation of what he said. He was asked about, about if it was true, if this was Ruben Diaz's last match. That was the question. And he goes, well, you know, um, I'm reading the wrong, the wrong bit there. Hold on one moment. Well, I changed my page. I almost read you the wrong interview. So. JJ's statement in the postgame presser right here, answering this question, he said, in response to whether or not he knew, he said, well, I'd like to have absolute certainty on these things, but in football, nothing is ever certain until, the, until it's signed on the dotted line. But from the information that I received and from what I was told, this was, in fact, his last match. Sometimes these deals fall apart at the, at the final moment. But it doesn't look like that will be the case here. He's a player we hate to see go, obviously. He's homegrown. He's a symbol of the club and of the Seychelles. He is a captain, and he is a national team player. But 
I am also to blame in part for this. This is partly the result of our elimination from the Champions League, which I had a role in. Um, and it's, he said, now certain things need to be put in balance. And what he's talking about there is financials, obviously. And I think this is directly in relation to FIFA financial fair play or UEFA finance, whoever, whoever implements the financial fair play regulations, Benfica now needing to sell him because they're not getting that income from their appearance in the champions league. And I say a couple episodes ago, when we talked about that loss at Pauk in a one-off playoff, uh, mind you on the road, despite being the higher seed, um, the repercussions of that mat, of that loss. I didn't really get into it in that episode. I kept it in from a footballing sense because I, I saw some, and I still see some positives in a footballing sense for the players that are on the squad. Maybe not for the squad overall. What I mean by that is there are players in this team that will benefit greatly from Befica being in the Europa League versus being in the Champions League. That's not to say that we're going out there with the second string team. I think JJ knows well that he cannot do that this time around, especially now the pressure is even higher to succeed in the Europa League and he will have to feel the strong team, but more games means more opportunities for more players. And we have a lot of players. However, someone had to go and JJ explains it there. And he goes on to finish his comment to say that, Somebody had to be sold, and he is our player with the highest market value, and that's not a that's not up for debate. So for 68 million euros, Ruben Dias is going to Manchester City. It's a done deal. We are getting a player in return from Manchester City later in the press conference. Uh, JJ was asked about him, and he was very careful about what he said, um, but he he admitted that he hasn't really been following this saga it happened very quickly and he was very focused on what it is now that the match has been played he was going to want to be brought up to speed on what's going on but he understands and we now know in fact that Nico Otamendi Argentina international central defender from Manchester City former Football Club do Porto central defender is coming to Benfica now I know Befiquistas are going to have a hard time trusting this guy because he played for that outfit for, for quite some time. Okay. He, he lined up opposite us in some very important matches. Okay. It's going to be hard for a lot of people to, to support this player, but it, we have to. We have to support it. He is our player now. It doesn't matter where he played before. He needs the benefit of the doubt. He is a professional, and you don't get to Manchester City if you're not a good professional and stay there the years he's been there, okay? you. I was going to say you don't make Argentina's national team, but that's not true. Argentina's national team's professionalism can be questioned many times and it has been questioned many times in the last decade. But listen, Otamendi agreed to terms with Benfica. This is not like in a North American sport where it's a trade and the player has no say. He's not coming here against his will. He's coming here because he agreed to come here. So there's a reason he, and I know the reason. The reason is there's a World Cup in less than two years, or in just over two years. 
There's a Copa America this coming summer. Nicolas Otamendi wants to still be part of Argentina, in my opinion. And Benfica gave him the best opportunity of playing day in and day out and putting himself, um, putting himself at a level where he can be up for selection for his national team. I think Nicolas Otamendi, he's not Ruben Dias. We cannot expect him to be. He's not a Benfiquista, okay? Don't expect him to be. But he, yes, expect him to be a professional. Our manager is not a Benfiquista either. That's not a prerequisite to represent our club. We've had very, very good players and managers that are not Benfiquistas, okay? He's not the first player who's played for Porto and is coming to Benfica, okay? In fact, we've had quite a few. He's, he's just another. Rui Alguish played for both teams. Rui Alguish, in fact, left us, went there, and came back. Okay. Zahovic came from Porto to Benfica. Drulovic came from Porto to Benfica. Cesar Peixoto was once a Porto player and came to Benfica. I don't think anybody can question their professionalism and their service to our club at the time that they were at our club. I don't think anybody can... It, they were, uh, they were top-notch professionals, all of them, when representing our colors. I don't care that he played for Porto anymore. He's our player now. We want to have arguments about his salary, about his wages, about you know the, the cost of the transfer. That's all fair. Okay? But do not call, bring in this player's professionalism into question before you've given him a chance to prove himself we need a central defender to replace Ruben who has quality who knows our league who understands our rivalries yeah he's on the other side of it now but he understands Benfica versus Porto he understands he's been in the other locker room what better of a of a of an asset to us in the next Clásico than a guy who's been in the opposite locker room. He knows how they prepare to play us. He knows how they come in. He knows how they plan to get us off our game. He knows how they plan to amp up the physicality, the intensity, and to turn it into a, a, a fight. Listen, we haven't fought when we've gone in against them. We've gone in with our tail between our legs every time, minus a couple. Too many times we go into those classicals with a tail between our legs, We've got a player on our side now that understands what that classic was like, who's been on the other side, and I believe he's going to fight for us now. Portishas, I've seen some tweets of saying they're de he's dead to them. <laughs> I think this is a necessary signing, okay? Maybe it's not fantastic. Yeah, he's on the wrong side of 30. His career is going in the wrong direction. It's on the decline. But just like Jan Vertonghen, it doesn't mean we can't get two or three good years out of him. Central defenders can play. Look, Pep is 52 years old, and he's still, he's still starting for our rivals, okay? Yeah, I know he's not 52 years old, but you get, you get the point. Um, in fact, Pep, I think, is one month older than I am, so... That, you know, Otamendi's five years younger than that, or three, four years younger than that. Um, no, and he brings a lot of experience. He's played in big matches. 
He's been with Argentina to the World Cup final, Copa America finals. Okay. He's played in, in, in the Champions League. He's played in the Premier League. He's been, the cha- he's been a champion in the Premier League. That's a whole lot of value coming into our team, a whole lot of valuable experience. Yes, we lose one of ours, and that's going to hurt. And if given the choice, I'd rather have Ruben Dias, obviously. But if we, we had to make the sale, I do believe that the sale had to happen. Who else were we going to sell to make up the difference? Okay, I don't want it to be Gonzalo Ramos. He's he hasn't even got started yet. I don't want it to be Jota. I don't want it to be Florentino. I'm hopeful Florentino comes back. Okay, when we get to the new segment, uh, Florentino, if you don't know, has gone on loan. Um, I'll mention that in the new segment in just a moment. But I think Nicholas Otamendi is now our player, and we need. Those that matter are the ones that are here. There's a saying, os que contam é os castão, right? In Portuguese, os que contam é os que castão. The ones that matter are the ones that are here, okay? It's not to say that Ruben won't always be a symbol of Benfiquismo, that he's not always going to be someone we admire. Heck, when we, win the, when we win the title in May, and I believe we're going to win the title in May, Ruben's going to get a medal. He, he's played in the first two matches of the season. And when we win the title in May, we'll see a, we'll see a video from, from Ruben on his, on his social media congratulating Benfica just like we do every time we win. We see one from Bernardo Silva. We see one from Nemanja Matic. We see one from David Luiz. We see one from, I could go on all day, Anderson. We see him from Julius Cesar, from... Now Jonas will be one of the ones, certainly. But as you know, the players that leave, they, 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 they take a bit of Befica with them. They take that Befiquismo with them. And obviously, after 12 years, Ruben Dias has a whole lot of Befiquismo he's taking with them to Manchester you know, uh, City. Excuse me. And who knows? Maybe we can convert Otamendi into a Befiquismo before all is said and done. Listen, winning is going to heal all wounds, Okay. Yes, it's going to hurt, for, especially for some who are much more romantic about football. And I consider myself to be in that class, but uh, I, also, I also unfortunately have an understanding of, of the inner workings of the game that have killed some of that romanticism for me. And to be honest, I, this, this move was going to happen sooner or later. This was bound to happen. Ruben Diaz was going to leave. It was always going to happen, if not in this window, in the next or the one after that. Yeah, it would have been nice to keep him for one more complete season. It would have been nice to give him a season as the captain of the team. would have been nice to win, a, to have him leave hoisting the trophy. But it, it was just the way it had to be this year. Um, and this is a result not – and I'm going to – and I want to reiterate this. This is the result not of a loss – in Greece to Pauk, because that never happens if last year's team does not crumble, if last year's team does not collapse, if certain players in this team don't allow it to happen. This is all, everything in football as in life has consequences. This is a consequence of last season's collapse. We have nobody to blame. And I, listen, I've been critical of, of, the president 
for a long time, basically since I've had this podcast. But the president didn't go out and lose those matches last season after we had a seven-point lead. Yeah, he built a team that was not well-built, but we had a seven-point lead. We had a seven-point lead at the midpoint. Remember the last match of the first half of the season? We won at Sporting. Porto lost at Braga. Seven points going into the second half of the season. Luis Figueira not, was not on the pitch for any of those matches we dropped points in. And I will criticize him when necessary. And yes, I am part of hashtag Juavieta. Uh, yes, I, I fall under that. But this is a consequence of everybody, president, manage, manager, players, scouts, staff, board, sad. That's the same thing, but you get the point. This is, this is the result of all of those departments failing last year. Failure has consequences. And while players didn't have their contracts rescinded or anything like that, you know, Andre Almeida's still here. PZ's still here. And at the same time, I don't think last year's mistakes should be brought into this season either. It's a new season, new manager. But there are consequences no matter what the situation, no matter in what context you want to put it. A collapse like that and a lack of professionalism, something I said Otamendi's going to bring because we lack it. The lack of professionalism last year cost us the title. Yeah, we would have been better if the pre- if the team was built properly, but we got up by seven points. At that point, you should hang on. Lack of professionalism cost us the title. This is a consequence of that lack of professionalism because it put us in a situation where luck became something we needed a little of, and we didn't have it in Greece. All right, so after the break, we're going to take a quick break, like uh, I just said there. We're going to pay a quick bill here on Mr. Benfica, all right, if you're listening to the podcast, of course. And then you're going to hear Reconquista. Uh, You won't hear that on YouTube. On YouTube, we're just going to have a quick 5 to 10 second uh, pause, and we'll be right back with the news after Reconquista. Um, For those of you on the podcast, that is. Uh, Remember, both on the podcast or on YouTube, after you subscribe, subscribe to both. And follow me on Twitter at Befica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Befica, or on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Mr. Befica. We'll be right back with the news. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A 
acha do que é nós por direito Que eu não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega Benfica Carrega Benfica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica And welcome back to Mr. Benfica And in the news This week The return of the news uh, it, There's not a lot of it But we'll start with with transfer news as well. Um, we just talked a little bit at length there about Ruben Dias and Nicolas Otamendi. Also this week, Florentino Luiz has left Benfica on loan. He has joined Monaco in the French League. Oh, I think it's a good move for Florentino Luiz. And a little bit of luck for him is the player that plays in his position was sent off this weekend. So there's a good chance Florentino will be in the 11. I'm hoping next week for Monaco. Um, and Georges Jesus also talked about this loan in a pregame press conference on Friday. Florentino requested the leave. He's been requesting. He understands that he needs to play. And Georges Jesus had told him that he, right now, does not factor into the plans. And, and I don't think it's a knock on, on Florentino. Um, I think the problem is George Zouge at this point in time with no Champions League doesn't necessarily see the need for a true number six. He he points out that there's four other players in his position. And um, I think Florentino, but he did say how intelligent of a player Florentino is in every aspect. And he expects Florentino to, he did say, he said uh, flat out that he expects Florentino to come back in next season. Uh, an improved version of himself and a player that will contribute. Um, he does not, he has said that Monaco do not have the financial means. Apparently, according to JJ, I don't know how much of a expert he is, but according to him, he says they will not exercise the option to buy and that Florentino will be back next season. Uh, sticking with football, the B team dropped two matches this week. They lost Wednesday, four to three at the Seychelles at home to Sportive de Chaves. And then losing this weekend 2-1 to league leaders Mafra. And that leaves Benfica B in third place right now in the Ledman Liga Pro. Uh, six points from four matches. But the big story in the B team, and it is a big story in all of Benfica. I mentioned his name a while, a few minutes ago. It's Gonzalo Rambus. And had, had Ruben Diaz not been the overwhelming topic of the post-game press conference on Saturday, Gonzalo Ramos would have been. Gonzalo Ramos has seven goals from four matches, and um, he is training with the first team. But a lot there's pressure being put on JJ to put him in the first team, and there's pressure that he is the answer up front. Of course, with the with the signings of Darwin and Luca Waldschmidt, there isn't necessarily room for Gonzalo Ramos right now. I think that's okay. I'm going to go against the grain here. I think that's okay. I think he's exactly where he needs to be right now. That's in the B team, playing as many minutes as possible, getting as much repetition as possible, getting to know the professional game even better. Okay. 
He just concluded his youth career a couple weeks ago in the UEFA Youth League. Yes, he played on the B team last year. I fully understand that. Yes, he's made a senior first team debut. He's already got two goals in six minutes of playing time. I get that as well. However, it'll do. we need to learn from the mismanagement of other youth players. None more disappointing than Jota. We have done such a disservice to that kid. I don't want to see that happen to anybody else, okay? We did it to Zach Gomes as well some years back. Vitor Andrade, whatever happened to him, we debuted him in the first team in an opening match of the season under Rui Vitoria, and we never saw him again. He played a few more matches, fizzled out. He's playing I don't know where today. Same thing with Zach Gomes. He's playing like in Poland today. All right. Um, I don't want to see that for Jota. Jota's a case that's going to have to be a rehab case. He needs to go somewhere where he can play and he can reconstruct his career. Um, I think Befica should keep the rights to these players. Okay. I don't think any youth prospect that the, that the football side of the club, not the manager, but the fo- football side of the, the, the board, if you will, of the planning side, um, no youth player that has the potential to be in the first team should leave this club in the next one to two years on a permanent, okay? While George Zouge is here, there's not going to be space for them unless they completely knock it out of the park, unless they completely blow up the way Juan Felix did. I think even JJ would have would have used Juan Felix on the run he was on in, in 2018, 2019, okay? Um it would have been hard for him to break in the first time, but he, he once he had a, a smidget of the door open, he knocked that thing out, knocked it down. So I think that that um, Gonzalo should stay in the B team right now. I think that's the perfect place. The perfect setup is him training with the first team, playing with the B team, getting lots of minutes, like I said, scoring lots of goals, getting used to scoring goals, building a knack for scoring goals against adults in, in a professional level. And we'll reevaluate him next season, honestly. And perhaps next season, you know, maybe he that's the time to go on loan to another first division club and make a debut in the first division. Have like a Diogo Salves where he has a good, you know, introduction to the first division. He's a very, very precious player, okay? He is a true striker, something Portugal does not produce normally. So he needs to be handled with extra care. He can't be thrown out there to fail. So I actually think JJ coming in is a good thing for his development because it's going to slow it down. It's going to hold him back a little longer until he's more ready to, to go to that senior level, to face the pressure of being a first-team Benfica player, especially a striker who's going to be expected to score goals. Now if Carlos Vinicius is sold by the end of this window, I don't know. If that happens, maybe that changes. But I think what he should do is be a B-team player. And he can play in the first team when the opening presents itself, either through suspension to other players, injuries, things like that. That's fine. That's a good time to bring him in. But he should still not be losing minutes in the B-team to be sitting in the first team. That's my opinion from where I've been and with my experience. I find that, you know, until until he gets tired of being a B-player and, uh, Renato Paiva said in the post-game press conference Wednesday against Shavs that he is not at all tired. He says that Gonzalo is very, very focused 
and that everybody involved at the club is taking very good care of him and is handling his situation with the utmost care. All right. We move to modalidades now, modalities, and we have wins in hockey, volleyball, and in women's football this weekend to talk about hockey wins 7-3 to at home to Porto, a hockey team called Football Club do Porto. Yep, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> uh, Benfica start the season off with a good win, but uh, this year's format, championship format in Portuguese rink hockey, has changed. No longer will the winner of of the regular season, if you will, the team with the most points at the end of the season be crowned champion. After the season, there will be a playoff phase, the Liguilla, and I believe the top eight sides will advance to the playoffs. First round will be the best of three with a best of five series in the semis and the finals. Um, if I understand correctly, that is where Portuguese rink hockey is going this season. Volleyball continues their dominance. The only thing that stopped them in the last three years was COVID-19 as volleyball goes to Guimarães and wins three sets to none. 25-20, and 25-22 are the scores of the three sets for for Benfica's volleyball team for Marcel Matz's side. Women's football now, my favorite of them all. The women's football team got back on the pitch today. Exciting. They opened up the BPI season, the Liga BPE, with a 5-0 win on the road at Adus Francos at a little stadium called the Quinta da Boneca in my neck of the woods, in Caldas da Reina. I wish I were in Portugal so I could have gone to see that match, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm a big fan, as everybody knows, of the women's football team at Benfica, but I'm very concerned also because this team is not nearly as strong as they were. A lot of top players have moved on. Uh, financial reasons, I'm sure. Uh, as we saw last year, just an, a litany of, of rescinded contracts. Um, not much was said about it, but clearly something's going on. Something has gone on. They've recalled a lot of players from loan. They've sent out some more players from loan. Notably, Lu- uh, Lucia Alves has gone back to to the name of the team is escaping me now. She's gone back to the team she was at before. <laughs> I apologize, but it is late and I am forgetting now. She went back to Gaia um, and uh, she's gone on loan for the season. As we said, uh, they have recalled Jesse Voschko-Selus and some other players um, also rescinded with some players such as Tita, who has gone from a loan to a permanent move to Condesha. And... Um, it's going to be an interesting season. 20 teams in the Portuguese first division this, this season. 10 in the north section, 10 in the south. And then there'll be a second phase where the top teams from each section move on and play another championship. And that's where the winner will be crowned. The champion will be crowned. Befica going into the Champions League this season. And that's why I'm so concerned about the, the big drop in the level of play and the loss of so many quality players. Uh, I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt our team in the in the domestic championship although Sporting will be tough as always uh, Sporting Braga has lost 
players. They have, they have had to let some players go for the same reasons. COVID has really destroyed the budgets of a lot of the women's uh, football clubs, a lot of their budgets. But and it was Volodar Zagaya, I just remembered. It's the team where Lucia Alves was loaned back to. But it, they've also recalled Carlotta Krist from that same Volodar Zagaya team. So Benfica is going to be relying a little bit more on homegrown players this season than they have in the past. Again, domestically, I we're going to be neck and neck with Sporting. It's going to come down to those two matches, I think. And um, I think that... In Europe, it's going to be very, very tough with this team. I think with the team we had before, we could have had a chance to advance a round or two. Now, the Women's Champions League is a knockout tournament. It's not a group phase at this just yet. It will be starting next season, I believe. But right now, it is a knockout competition, two legs. So we'll see if Benfica can advance a round or two in it this year. I think that would be a huge accomplishment, not just for Benfica's women's football department, but for Portuguese women's football in general. And um, their 5 nothing win here against Aldous Frank, I forgot to mention. Goals were scored by Chloe Lacassi. She had two. Darlin and Jolene with one apiece and an own goal from Aldous Frank. And uh, that is the news for this week. So we're going to take another quick pause here. If you are on the podcast form, you're going to hear a quick little ad here for, for Better Than Vegas for BTV. Yeah, not the RBTV, the other one, okay? Um, a quick little ad for one of the sponsors of this show, Better Than Dot Vegas. And then we'll be back with the with the match. We're going to go right into it, okay? It's going to be Benfica versus Morirense from the Stadio de Luz from this past Saturday. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I will be right back. This episode of Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network is brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas. That's right, Better Than Dot Vegas. It's better than Vegas. Get better. And welcome back to Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, again, as always. And it's episode 87. All right, we're going to Saturday. And this past Saturday, I should say, it was September the 25th. And it's Benfica hosting Moreirense. What you see there on your screen is the Moreirense starting 11. Okay. And scroll just a bit here as we have the substitutes listed there as well. As you can see, the manager is Ricardo Suarez. And his starting 11 is as follows. I'm going to scroll up here. All right. So Pasinato is in goal. The left, the right back, excuse me, is Dalberto Rosic and Steven Vitoria, former Benfica player, champion with JJ some years ago. Is they're the pair of central defenders with Amador as the left back. Fabio Pacheco is the holding midfielder. You have Rodrigues on the right. You have the two Suarez in the center of midfield, and you have Paulo Nunu at the left side of midfield with Fabio Abreu, the Angola international starting as the striker for this Moreira's side. And for Benfica, as I scroll up to show you here,
You can tell I am incredibly talented with the computer. Benfica's 11 there. In a 4-4-2, as is customary, under J.J. Odie Vlacodimo is in goal. The right back is Andrea Almeida, the center back. And captain on the day, as we know, in his testimonials of sorts, in his uh, farewell match of um, as for the final time, Ruben Diaz lines up wearing the number six, and he's wearing the captain's armband on the day. Uh, he's partnered by the Belgian international Jan Vertonghen. And the left back, as always is, when healthy at least, is Alex Grimaldo. Three in midfield, according to the according to Fought Mob. But what you see in front of you has four. I'm going with what you see in front of you. Uh, you had Gabriel and PZ in the in the middle of the midfield. Gabriel playing. I'll talk about him in a second. He's pl- some people are saying he's playing as a six. He's playing as kind of a hybrid six. He's not a true six. And I think this is what more of what George Zouge wants than what Ulian Weigel brings uh, right now, at least. And perhaps, perhaps, um, it, it's real interesting because. Gabriel is a guy that was written off. I mean, and now it looks like he's the guy that's doing what the mister is asking for. He's the guy that is 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 bringing the ideas of George Zouge onto the pitch and doing what, what George Zouge wants out of that position. So for now, it's Gabriel in that position. He's partnered with PC, who's replacing a, an injured Adele Tarap. Rafa is on the right, Everton on the left. And up front in attack, it is a young duo that has done a great job since they were united last week. And um, very excited about these two young players. It's Luca Waldschmidt partnering with Darwin Nunez up front as Benfica come into the match, of course, with already a a victory to speak of. So we we move on, and I'm going to bring up the ticker here. As the match starts in front of nobody, as we already know, uh, no fans in the stands yet in Portugal. It's not like in Germany, who this week um, or this season, I should say, started using uh, fans. The match kicks off, and in the first minute, Fabio Abreu already wins a free kick against Ruben Diaz. In the fourth minute, Befica have their first chance of the match. It's Darwin Nunez, right-footed shot from outside the box, off a pass from Rafa. We get it's it's all Benfica from the start. I mean, I think Benfica started off very well again. Uh, this has been a very this has become a consistent thing under George Jesus here in this early part of this new season since he's returned. Very very strong starts, and this was no different in the ninth minute. Vertonghen with a great chance. He had a header from the center of the box. He was close but he missed just left on a cross from Grimaldo. And in the 14th minute, another opportunity. This time it's Gabriel, left-footed shot from outside of the box, saved in the top center of the goal. He was set up by PZ. And in the 14th still, it's another miss. This time it is Everton, right-footed shot from outside the box. He misses just left. But we fast forward to the 19th minute. And if you're listening on the podcast, have here a listen. Estrebis. Já lá estavam Ruben Dias e Vertonghen para faturar. Canto batido, bola para a área. Ruben Dias, salto, ganhou, marcou, é golo. Gol! 
verdade, quem sabe se será despedida. A verdade é que ele bate com a mão no peito do emblema do Benfica que serve há 12 anos e festeja o primeiro gol da tarde. É, e há um momento ali, ainda antes do golo, o Rubem Dias estava a falar com Darwin, a pedir a Darwin para o ajudar ali na bola parada, de forma a fazer ali um bloqueio. Certo é que foi lá ao terceiro anel, saltou o Rubem Dias e colocou muito bem. Ficaram vários avisos, agora sim, está lá dentro, é gol do Benfica, o gol do capitão, hoje capitão Rubem Dias. So there it is, the captain on the day, the player on his way out. He leaves with the goal. It is Ruben Dias off of an Everton Cebolinha corner kick. Well taken corner kick. Finds Ruben Dias. He goes higher than everybody else. And he heads it into the goal, into the far post. And Benfica start well. They get a goal in the 19th minute and for the second week in a row. Benfica get on the board early and get a lead. This is good. This is what didn't happen at Pauk. This is why we're not playing Champions League football this season because I believe that that game could have been a rout if Benfica had scored first. But it was a very good goal, and Ruben Dias obviously emotional as he, he pats his badge and he points to the cameras letting everybody know how much this club means to him in the 22nd minute. Darwin Nunez now with the chance. This was, a, for me, a very good performance from this kid. Um, when we get to the ratings later, it didn't really reflect in the goal point, for example. But I thought I saw a lot I liked from this kid. I like his movement. I like his work rate. Um, he's a, he is very much a JJ style striker. This was I have a good good uh, feeling that this this guy was a selection of JJ's, and um, I think he probably knew about this player already when he was at Flamengo. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, It was Nunez. He had a header from the center of the box, but it was just high and wide off of an Andre Almeida cross. Nunez again in the 26th minute, right-footed shot from outside the box, and it was just a bit too high. He received a nice feed from Jan Vertonghen. Keep moving forward in the 28th minute. Another attempt blocked. It's Waldschmidt this time, and... I'm going to love saying Waldschmidt all season. That name is fun to say. Has, uh, he, he has a left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but it was blocked. He received a nice through ball on the play from Everton Cebolinha. Rafa's turn later in the 28th minute. He, his shot from the left side of the box was close, but it was just wide to the right, set up again by Everton Cebolinha. Very good game again from Everton. And um, this guy was quite a signing for us. I think if we had only got him, that would have already been a successful transfer window. Um, I shouldn't say that because we needed help in the back. We got that as well. But you know what I mean. And in the 29th minute was the one time that Odie was called on for a save. It was Alex, it was Alex Swatch with the right-footed shot from the right side of the box. And Odie parries it over for a corner, but makes a nice save. 29th minute, still yellow card to Pizzi for a foul on Pedro Nunu. Move ahead here, and we get to the 34th minute. Another attempt for Rafa, but it is blocked uh, from the center of the box. He was set up by Almeida. 35th minute, and it's Nunez, left-footed shot, right side of the box. Uh... He misses just left, set up by Rafa. 
Good movement off the ball again by Nunez, and he creates a lot of space for his teammates. I really like that about his game. But I think he is just a couple of goals away from really getting his confidence in front of goal and really starting to go after it and really starting to put in um, the kind of stats that that might mirror his work rate and his, his off-the-ball movement and contribution. As we look through 35th minute, another attempt, and this time it's Everton, right-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the center of the goal. He was set up by, by Waldschmidt with a through ball on that one. And it's, it's Benfica just with chance after chance, wave after wave of attack. Uh, Morenes really left to, to wonder how they're going to get any play out of this, how they're going to get forward at all. They're really pinned in deep. And there's a moment here where Elder Kundut on, on BTV, on Befica TV, which I'm going to have to refer to it as Befica TV going forward on this show, not to confuse with the new sponsor of the show, uh, BTV Better Than Vegas, a betting site. Uh-huh. Uh, they, uh, Befica TV's commentator, Elder Kundutu, did point out uh, that Befica's back line was lining up on the edge of the attacking third. Befica had basically penned Moririn so deep in their own end that, that our back line was 40 yards from goal. Very good first half, despite not being able to finish. And we had the moment where, uh, well, it comes in the second half, actually. So I'll get to it when we get there. One attempt here, a free kick won by Fabio Abreu in the attacking half. He's fouled by Ruben Dias, but nothing comes of the free kick. And the referee blows his whistle for half time. And Mefiga go into the team room with a 1-0 lead at halftime. And it should have been 3 or 4, no question about it. But it's it was very nervy because this was the type of game, and I always get worried about these. When we don't finish our opportunities, it only takes the other team one chance to come down. They had one opportunity that that Odie was able to 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 fend off. Otherwise, it could have been 1-1, even though that it should have been 3 or 4-0 at this point. And so I will take a quick break right here again, and um, we'll be right back with the second half here on Mr. Benfica, episode 87. the second half gets started at the Stadio de Luz and right off the bat in the 47th minute it is Peasy with a right footed shot from outside the box he has it saved in the bottom right corner nice setup again from a name I keep saying Everton Cibolina as Benfica will, will continue to get wave after wave of attack just like in the first half um, Benfica's Benfica's ritmo, Benfica's tempo is starting to slow. Now, they do come out incredibly, incredibly fast, and they play incredibly hard in the early parts of the match. And they obviously can't sustain that for 90 minutes. No human being can can play with that type of intensity and that kind of high pressure for 90 minutes. But 
this is early season, so I think they're pushing a little harder. They're trying to extend that time of high press, that time of high intensity. And I think each game, it goes on a little bit further. And I do like what I'm seeing from them in that regard. In the 53rd minute, it's Everton again. Subolina, right-footed shot from outside the box, saved in the center of the goal. In the 58th, it's Waldschmidt with the right-footed shot from the center, but it was blocked. He was set up by his strike partner, Darwin Nunez. In the 59th minute, Andre Almeida goes in the book for a foul on Pedro Nunu. And that's when Moreirense will go to the bench. And in the 60th minute, on comes Pirsch, off comes Rodrigues. And still Benfica, 63rd minute. It is Everton again. Left-footed shot from the center of the box. Saved in the top corner. Good, good showing for Passinato, the goalkeeper of Moreirense in this match, as he concedes a corner kick there. But on the ensuing corner kick, Jan Vertonghen in trying to get to the ball fouls Steven Vitoria and also takes quite the headbutt for it. Right under the eye, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm pointing to it. You you saw Jan Vertonghen's eye start to swell up like he was a, a UFC fighter. Um, and I say that because I spent all of Saturday night watching the UFC. And um, if you follow the PTV network, you saw my preview there. And coming this week is a review of UFC 253. There's a little plug for one of my other projects, but um, the black eye really reminded me. Uh, minutes later, it was starting to swell right under the eye right here if you're watching on YouTube where I'm pointing. But uh, luckily, he was okay. I was worried about him. Um, but luckily, he was okay on the play. And we go to minute 64, and George Zuz makes the substitution. And I'm going to be 100% honest right now. When I saw this, I got mad. Can ask my four-year-old son. He said, Daddy, why are you mad? On comes Harris Seferovic. Off goes Luka Valchmidt. I want to keep seeing Valchmidt and Darwin. I Selfishly, I just want to see those two play together. Um, George Zuz sends on Seferovic. And I don't want to see much from this guy anymore. But anyway... He reminds me a little bit later what he does do quite well. And also, a minute later, another substitution for George Jesus. He sends on Chiquinho in place of Pizzi to play in the central midfield role. Um, George Jesus did say in the press conference, the pre-match one, that Chiquinho's true position lies there, that he is. it is in that more eight role. He said last year's manager played him as a false nine or as a ten. But he says that that's not his his true role, if you look back his entire career until last season, he played as an, as a central midfielder as an eight. And uh, he puts him in and gives him 25 minutes in this one at that position. A minute later, Moreirense counters. Mateus Silva is on. Anthony Dialberto is off. And we have another attempt in the 68th minute. It is Rafa Silva, right-footed shot from the right side of the box. Close but misses left. He's set up by Chicon. He said his shirt says Chiquinho, but when he's on, he is Chicon. And Befica continuing and continuing to go at it. 70th minute. It's Gabriel again, a left-footed shot from outside the box. Saved in the top center by 
by the goalkeeper, and Mexico will get a corner kick off of it, and that attempt would be just high as Shikinu would take the corner kick, and Seferovic would get on the end of it, hitting it with his left foot but putting it over. Morirense get a rare attempt at goal in the 72nd minute. Pedro Nunu with a right-footed shot from more than 35 yards out. It doesn't trouble Odie. As George Zuz will again go to the bench. 73rd minute, make his third substitution of the match. On comes the former Corinthians star, Pedrinho. His first appearance in an official match at the Stadio de Luz. He replaces Rafa. Another good performance from Rafa, in my opinion. Another good outing. And um, we got two good players in that position. And it, it, is, it is good to see multiple players at, at, at certain positions and having some, not just some depth, but some variety and some choice to, to set up your team and to, to better match up against your opponent. On comes Pedrinho, like we said. And in the 79th minute, he is fouled by Amador as he's taken down for a free kick. And in that very same 79th minute after the foul, um, it's a quick restart actually out of the foul, and it is a quick pass up the pitch as Darwin Nunez's run is spotted out, and why don't we all have a listen at what happened next. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you did not have a listen for rights purposes. I don't have the rights to 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 broadcast that on YouTube. But if you're listening to the podcast, you heard Helder's call. And it is that very same Seferovic off the bench and on the, the score sheet. Tap and goal. It's the kind of goal he scores. Okay. And this isn't meant disrespectfully because this is actually his ability is getting himself in the right place at pace as Darwin Nunez makes another fantastic run, gets in behind the back four. He, he, run, he angles his run perfectly to set himself up to slide it across the face of goal. All Seferovic had to do was tap it in, and he, he timed his run perfectly to be at the right spot at the right time. And with the left foot, he puts it into the roof of the goal. It is two to nothing to Benfica in the 79th minute. And at this point, I finally breathed a little bit of relief because that one nothing result was really stressing me out at that point. Um, and it was nice to see Benfica make it a two goal lead and kind of let themselves breathe a little bit. As Morirense, even though they hadn't attacked much with, with just a one-goal lead, anything would have been possible. Now, with the two-goal lead, Benfica settle in nicely and see out the rest of the match. In the 81st minute, it's a substitution for Morirense. It's Gonzalo Franco replacing Fabio Pacheco. And Ibrahima replaces Alex Suarez. And Benfica would have another attempt in the 83rd, and it is Pedrinho's left-footed shot from outside the box. 
He was set up by Shikinu. We move forward. We get one more substitution, or two more substitutions, excuse me, one more stoppage for substitutions. Georges Zuz sends on Ulian Weigel, the German international, replaces Everton Sobolinha. And what does the future hold for Julian Weigel? I mean, he everybody sees the type of player, the type of ability he has. Most of us are saying he's clearly not a six. Apparently, Georges Zuz obviously agrees also. Will we see Weigel play a little further up the pitch? I'm hoping so. I'm in the camp of hoping to see him play more as an eight and see him partner perhaps with – with. Uh, I wanted to see him partner with Florentino. We never got to see that as Florentino has left, like we said in the new segment. But I wanted to see that. We didn't get to see that. But um, I, I could I could live with the Gabriel – playing just slightly behind Julian Weigel and using Weigel's passing skills and his, his calm demeanor further up the pitch. Now, Georges Zouz just told him he wants more, he wants more aggressiveness out of him. And I think that's one of the big reasons he's been taken out of the starting 11 at this point. And now he's playing Jota minutes essentially, which um, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out over the next couple of matches. Nuntavarj also comes on in the 87th. Replacing Grimaldo, and there's not much else to note. Benfica will see it out. Um, they'll take the result. 90 minutes elapses. The referee blows his whistle three times for full time. Benfica win 2 0 and collect the three points. Let's hear what Georges Zouge had to say in the in the flash interview post game. All right, here is Georges Zouge talking to the media in the flash post-game right on the pitch. And again, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, just sit tight and I will tell you exactly what he said in just a moment. E a qualidade de jogo que tem ofensivamente e a intensidade e a velocidade. O Moreirense não, não criou-nos uma chance de gol, não fez. Fez um remate na primeira parte que, que o Odi defendeu. Portanto, foi uma equipa que passou 90 e poucos minutos dentro do meio campo com, a jogar com todos os jogadores, menos com o Abreu na frente e mesmo assim não conseguiu parar a equipa do Benfica, porque a equipa do Benfica neste momento já está uma equipa muito, muito, muito difícil de parar uh, e, e, e falta traduzir um bocadinho toda esta qualidade de jogo que ela, que ela, que ela criou. Não é? Muitas vezes destacamos os jogadores pelos gols, por exemplo, hoje o Darwin, o Everton, estiveram em grande, concorda também que já estão, já começam a assimilar também as ideias do, do treinador e a forma de jogar do Benfica. O Darwin é um jogador, como vocês viram, é um jogador com uma velocidade, ele quando acelera, foi por isso que a gente achou que ele era o jogador ideal para jogar na, como nosso avançado, ele é um criador e um finalizador, podia ter feito gols hoje, uh, assistiu mais uma vez, assistiu de bandeja mais um golo para a equipa, uh, está a crescer, ele ainda está, é um peixinho da fora, fora da água, não é? uh, sabe, 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 quando tem bola ele sozinho sabe o que é que tem que fazer, mas uh, quando não tem bola ainda não sabe muito bem o que é que tem que fazer, uh, mas é, com certeza que acertarmos no jogador, uh, 
com 21 anos vai ter uma margem de progressão muito, muito, muito grande e quando estiver adaptado à equipa e, e não estiver tão introvertido, ele está, isto para ele ainda, ainda é um outro mundo, não é? ainda está um pouco, um pouco, não direi com falta de confiança, mas ainda está um, um pouco ansioso. Uh, mas tem tudo para, para ser um grande jogador, tentar justificar jogo a jogo. Uh, e a equipa também, a equipa defensivamente bem, praticamente não deixámos a equipa do Moreirense sair, o Moreirense não foi o Moreirense que, que, que o ano passado empatou aqui um a um, com várias oportunidades de gol que não fez, este ano não teve uma hipótese de ir à nossa baliza, e portanto para o Moreirense com todo o respeito, é uma equipa bem taticamente bem trabalhada pelo, pelo treinador, um, é um treinador jovem com, com muita capacidade, mas hoje teve, como a gente o costuma dizer, Benfica, não é? costumo, costumamos dizer na brinca, o que é gira futebolista, hoje não saiu daqui com um saco cheio, cheio de golos, porque, porque não aconteceu, mas parabéns à equipa do Benfica, que de facto fez um grande jogo. So Jorge Jesus, addressing uh, BTV here. Uh, he says that he was asked what this result shows for Benfica. And he says the result, this shows that this shows and can be a justification for our quality because only a team with this kind of quality has 30 attempts at goal, 10 of them on target, according to the mister. And we'll, we'll see if our stats line up with his when we look at them in a minute. And our quality defensively also shows as we had a intelligent intensity and we made it so that Moreirense had virtually no chance to score aside from the one Odie save needed in the first half. They, they spent 90 minutes, Ms. Uh, George Zou says, 90 minutes uh, sinking in behind the ball with only Fabio Abreu in front of it, trying to open up space up high. So we were facing 10 defenders all game, and they were laying with low blocks, trying to prevent us, and had no answer to stop us from going in time after time, according to George Jesus again, which is true. Benfica had all kinds of, of attacks. This game, again, should have been 6 or 7 nil. In all honesty, okay, this was, this was not a 2 nil match. And... um. I wish we had put a few more on goal. I'm going to be concerned about lack of finishing forever. That will always concern me. There is no team I'm not concerned. I will where there is no, at no point will I stop being concerned about a lack of finishing because at the end of the day, goals are what win the match. And then he says here, he was asked then uh, by a reporter. He says many times players lead a team. For example, Everton and Darwin were big in this match. He said, do you think that they are beginning to assimilate into the team and into the ideas of the manager? George Zouge responds, Darwin, as you can see, is a player with quality. And, where he, and when he goes at pace, you can see why we wanted him as our attacker. He is a creator and a finisher. He could have scored a couple today, but he did well to get another assist. He's growing, but he's still a fish out of water here in Portugal. And he will continue to improve and, and to get more 
um, to get more accustomed with his surroundings and with his teammates. Um, George Zouge says also that Darwin has everything in his power to become a great player. And then he finishes by saying that we should have, we should be leaving this stadium tonight with a sack full of goals. We're not, that's something to work on. But, uh, but again, I congratulate my players on their performance. Those are the words of George Zuzuj. So let's go now to the goal point like we do at the end of every match. I'm going to bring it up on the screen here for you. Just give me one moment. And I'm going to bring it back to me for a minute. There it is. All right. So there is the goal point. And this is one of my favorite parts of the show where I get to now show you what I'm talking about. So we have, uh, we'll start with Morirense and the time old tradition of Benfica's opponents having their goalkeeper as the man of the match. He had a lot of saves, but a lot of them right at him. That's still something that needs to be improved. But Pasinato had a 7.0 rating. Uh, D'Alberto, 6.8. Rosic, 5.0. Steven Vittoria, 5.5. Amador, 5.1. In midfield, Lucas. Rodrigues 4.8, Alex Suarez 4.3, Fabio Pacheco 5.5, Fabio Suarez 6.2, and Pedro Nuno 4.1 with Fabio Abreu earning a 4.8 up top. Philippe and Mateus each get a 4.7 off the bench. And you see there Morirense with a 0.2. Goal expected goals. That's that right there. That I love that stat that tells the story. And the average rating for Morirense is 5.32. Looking at Benfica now, and Vlaco has a 5.4 in goal. Andre Almeida 6.4. Ruben Diaz 6.5 in a goal on his uh on his departure. Bertongen 5.9. Grimaldo earns a 6.3. Rafa, 7.4. Pizzi, 6.0. Gabriel, 6.2 in his newer position. With Everton right there. Everton, Cibollini, as you can see. Man of the match with a 7.8 rating. And up front, Darwin, 5.9. Waldschmidt, 6.3. Well, Seferovic off the bench, 6.2. Shikinu, 5.6. And Pedrinho, 5.2. So that is, and you see Benfica's expected goals here, four. I'd feel a lot better if we had had four, if this had been a 4 nil victory. Uh, we still have to become much more efficient in front of goal if we're going to go far this season, whether it be in the league or the Europa League, the Cup. We need to start scoring goals, and we need to be like JJ's 2009 and 10 team that just started scoring on everyone and anyone they also played in the group stage of the champions league and gained some real momentum in some of those games so moving on to the next page here and there's the stats i'm going to back it up a little to show you if you're listening on the podcast you obviously can't see but those watching uh, have the advantage of seeing the heat map here for the player of the match, the best on the pitch, Everton Cibolina. And you can see right here down the left, page, his heat map is the same all the time. You can see that area that's more yellow versus blue or green. That's where he really likes to attack from to start out here and make his attack towards center. 
and um, another 7.8. He has been goal points man of the match in all of Benfica's matches so far, uh, whether it were the Champions League, um, whether it were the now two league matches. And you see Sibolina right there, five shots, three on goal. He had an assist. He had four passes for a shot. He had four pass. Uh, he had one pass that broke the, a line. He had offensive, uh, valuable passes, whatever that means. That's their set. Uh, he had a ninety-six percent pass efficiency. That is an incredible stat for an attacking player. And you can see underneath there recoveries of possession thirteen. And let's go to the match stats. As we see here, we have. Benfica to Moreira and Snil, as we know. Shots, he was, George Zuz's number was close. It says here 29 as opposed to 30, but that is, that was very close. 29 to 5, the shots, 10 on goal. So George Zuz got his stat line pretty right. Uh, whoever got it to him did a good job. Uh, 49 actions again in the, in the opponent's area. 10 corners for Benfica to 1 for Moreira uh, pass efficiency, 87% for Benfica compared to 71% for Morenes. Efficiency of the vertical pass, 72% for Benfica, 56% for Morenes. Um, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield and 15 defensive actions. So that's like ball recoveries almost in the opponent's midfield for Benfica, 9 for Morenes. Benfica committed 9 fouls, Morenes 14. And Benfica with... 70% of the possession to 34 Morenes. And I would say a lot of Benfica's possession was in more dangerous territory than a lot of teams uh, when they possess that much. Now, we got some other stuff here to show you. This here is the expected goals for Benfica. There's a nice little map here of the passes, the top tendencies of pass in this match. So the most common pass in this match was Grimaldo to Everton. So that 23 times Grimaldo passed the ball to Everton while Ruben Dias passed it 18 times to Almeida. Everton to Grimaldo 16 times. So a lot of ball movement down the left side of our flank. It tells that story. And we're back to the beginning. And now... I'll back up for a little more action. And um, overall, a very good performance for Benfica, like I said. Let's move on and let's get to the results for this round of the Liga Nage. And they're pulling up right now on my super fast internet. Um, round two in the books. And we've got a couple teams now. With two victories, as my screen is showing the table, let's move up and see the results first. And there you see the, the, the round got started off Friday with Braga at home, losing 0-1 to to Santa Clara. Os Bravos Asturianos have two victories from two matches. Then we get to Saturday, Maritimo 2, Tondela 1, Benfica 2, Morirens nil, as we just talked about. The next result's very unfortunate in the Derby Tripeiro. Boa Vista nil after all that investment. Porto five. 
let's not get too crazy about Bovista, okay? Yes, they, they spent some money, but they need some time to learn to gel as a team, although I would say that that manager is very quickly on the hot seat. Sunday's matches. Ferenc, nil. Nacional, one. Gil Vicente, one. Portimonense, nil. Passos Ferreira, nil. Sporting, two. And Rio Ave and Guimarães went nil-nil earlier today. Uh, Monday, the 28th, we have Bulanes Saad at the Cidade Football, the City of Football hosting Family Count. Now we look at the table here. As it stands here on Sunday night, Porto are top of the table tonight. Two victories from two matches, six points, obviously, plus seven goal difference due to their 5-0 victory over Boavista. Benfica second with the same two victories from two matches. Seven goals for one against. That makes it a plus six goal difference and has them for now just behind Porto. While Santa Clara also with two victories. They're a little bit of a surprise in that regard and a plus three goal difference. Fourth place right now is Nacional with four points. Sporting lead a group of... Five teams that have three points, while Riwav have two down in 10th, and everybody else now in the second half of the table, or I should say from 11 through 16, have a one point. That's Pas Ferreira, Portimones, Tondela, Vitoria Guimarães, Bovista. Braga has near zero points, as does Ferenc, and Famalicão after two matches, but Famalicão still with their round two match to play. You see there on the right here is the top scorers in the league. And it is right now Tiago Santana of Santa Clara. Along, he's got three goals. Uh, Rodrigo Pinho of Maritimo has two, as does Luca Waldschmidt. And most assists, Angel Gomes uh, of Boavista has three assists already. While uh, Darwin Nunez also has three assists. So that's the stats for this week. That is the table. And that is episode 87. Thank you for listening, watching, however you consume this content. Thank you. Uh, don't forget to check out www.mrbenfica.com when you have a chance. And also, if you haven't yet, go to the YouTube channel. If you're listening and you want to you wanna watch, go to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, and give us a good rating. Uh, same thing on the podcast formats, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify especially. Uh, Google Podcasts, um, wherever you get your podcasts now. Mr. Benfica is virtually everywhere. And uh, again, thank you to everyone for their support week in and week out or day in and day out as this has become more than a weekly podcast, as you've probably noticed. Um, up next for Mr. Benfica, we got a B-team update coming out in the next couple of days. I'm already, I've already started working on that. And hopefully by the end of the week, a women's team review from this first match against Adus Frankus. And the PTV network also has a ton of stuff, both football and UFC, uh, as well as DGENs United has all kinds of sports betting stuff virtually every day. So check it all out. All right. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking the time out to watch for those of you that watched or to listen. I hope I have made your commute or your evening. Uh, better and I will catch you all here next time here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network signing off it is the Mr. Mike Agustinu 
And I'll catch you in episode 88. Mm-hmm.